what will heaven be like? For those of us who call ourselves Christian and stake our lives on the reality of heaven, we often try to imagine what heaven will be like. Will we have bodies there? Or will we just be spirits? Will we recognize the people we loved on earth? Or will we just love everybody? Will there truly be no weeping and pain in heaven, but only love and joy? There are so few descriptions of heaven in scripture, and so that's why we wonder about these things. Jesus often revealed heaven to us in the scriptures. Many times when he tells a parable, he does so by setting up the story in this fashion. The kingdom of heaven is like. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who had two sons. The kingdom of heaven is like a woman who lost a silver coin. The kingdom of heaven is like the workers in the field. And so on. There are also stories that Jesus tells us about what we need to do in order to get there. There are things like the story of the last judgment in Matthew's gospel. There's the great command to love that Jesus gives us. In so many different ways, in what he said and in what he did, Jesus gave us a model for living. And ultimately, the choices that we make and how we treat one another have eternal consequences that echo into our eternal future. To illustrate this point, Jesus told the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Now you'd think, listening to Jesus tell the story, that Lazarus and the rich man had nothing in common. One was comfortable, the other was miserable. One lived in luxury while the other lived in the gutter. Their stories were miles and miles apart. And truth be known, that nothing in common except this. They both died. It doesn't matter that one was rich and the other was poor. They both died. In fact, death is the greatest common denominator amongst all of us. It doesn't discriminate between rich and poor, black, white, male, female. We know at least according to statistics, that 100% of us are going to die. We don't know when, and most of us don't know how. But this much we know is true. Each of us is going to die. Now, if we did know the exact day and hour, we could go through life with reckless abandon, eating, drinking, making merry. Then in the final moment, become religious and cling to God. But we don't know the day and the hour. If we believe that there is a heaven and a hell, and if we believe that we go to one of those places when we die, then we need to always be ready. Because we never know when our time is going to come. And that's what the rest of this parable of Jesus is all about. Lazarus and the rich man both die. But this is where the similarity ends. Because one goes to heaven and is seated there comfortably for eternity. Hunger is ended, sores are healed, the tears have all been dried. But as for the other, his misery is just beginning. The comfort in you on earth 
is only a fading memory in the midst of his suffering in Hades. And now he's longing for a little relief, a cold drink of water. The interesting thing about this parable is that it doesn't tell us why one went to heaven and the other to hell. We are left to interpret that for ourselves. Could it be that the rich man went to hell simply for being rich? And that Lazarus went to heaven simply because he was poor? Or is there more to it than that? I think there is. At the end of their respective lives, the rich man's hands were full, and the poor man's hands were empty. That is, the rich man was clinging to his wealth and his power and his prosperity, and he had need of nothing. He was self-sufficient in every sense of the word, and perhaps he thought he was invincible. So the rich man in the parable saw that his hands were full and he had need of nothing. But the poor man's hands were empty. No house, no money, no titles, nothing. The poor man had need of everything, including the gifts that God could give. His hands were wide open and we greatly, gratefully received the gift of grace. That's why one went to heaven and the other did not. When we come before God, we also have a choice. We can come clinging to all of our worldly stuff, car keys and house keys and checkbooks and university degrees and professional titles. Our hands will be full, but our hearts will be empty. Or we can come to God without anything, humble, broken, needy. We can come with empty hands, asking for God to bless us. Think of that when you come forward for communion. If you come filled with pride over what you have or what you've done or who you think you are, your hands will already be full. There won't be any place to put God's gift. But if you come empty-handed, with humility and with need, God will place into your hands healing and hope and the gift of life itself. But as always, it's your choice. The parable of Jesus ends with a stunning turnabout. Because for the first time in the story, the rich man is concerned for somebody other than himself. Suddenly there's urgency in his voice. He's concerned for people that he loves that they would know the truth about heaven and hell. He pleads with Abraham, send a messenger from heaven. Surprisingly, Abraham says no. They haven't accepted the prophets, the messengers on earth. They're not going to believe someone who rises from the dead. And so there is the dilemma. Five brothers, wealthy and proud, just like he was, clinging tightly to their possessions, unaware of the tragic future that awaits them. And there's nobody to tell them the truth. In a very real sense, those five brothers live among us today. They're everywhere, all around us. 
Look, they're not all wealthy. They're not all proud. They're not all selfish or mean-spirited or close-minded. They're not even all brothers. Some are sisters or our neighbors or friends. But if they don't know the truth about God's grace and they aren't ready to die and stand before the judgment of God, then they are all lost, just like those five brothers. Who will tell them? Who will speak to them the message of forgiveness and life and love so that they're not lost anymore? There are many lost people in our community and in our circles of influence who do not know Jesus Christ. And now it's us. We are the wealthy ones wearing the purple robes of royalty, feasting on bread and wine and grace. And these are the lost ones lying at the gate. And though their hands might be full, their hearts are empty. They're looking for something and not even sure what it is. And we have it. We have what they're seeking. Paul Tillich said it in this way. A Christian is simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. We've been found, but they are still lost. Well, God cares about lost people, and so should we. We never know what tomorrow will hold. And that's why time is urgent. Those five brothers need to hear the message of grace before it's too late. And if we don't tell them, who will?